because that's going to drive us. Whatever our vision of what we want out of life will really propel us forward. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we find ways and explore ways to achieve those two goals. And, you know, we're already off to a rock and start today with Alvin Narsi. You're going to love him. He's cool. He's awesome. And he is he has had an exciting journey and he's an exciting guy. You're going to love him of um, buying and selling multiple um, pharmacies pharmacy businesses in Australia. So this is very unique. We've never had anybody who does this and he's been doing it for over 16 years. He's known for his ability to simplify the fundamentals of growing a retail business. And he has a framework that boils down to implementing the basics, um, focusing on cash flow, which we all love cash flow profit. And from day one, setting everything up so that you, your retail business runs without you. And that's what we want. That's called passive income, not like a job, right? Hey, Alvin, thank you so much for being with us today. Christine, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So this is quite a niche, you know, like the pharmacy. Did you actually start out like, I want to be a pharmacist? Are you a pharmacist? Yes. So in okay. Australia, um, yep. where I uh, started my, when I first got into business, uh, to own a pharmacy, you have to be a pharmacist. Um, I guess I still am a pharmacist now. I just haven't practiced in over like uh eight months or something like that since I moved over here yeah. but um yeah so I studied pharmacy school um I didn't really want to be a pharmacist really um because it required a lot of work to get into it and it just so happened in my final year of high school something something happened and I was able to get some really good grades which surprised everybody including myself <laughs> and then maybe a flaw with the grading system like something something just- <laughs> happened something happened and um but hey it was it was really cool and I got these really good grades and then so I was like oh, what do I want to do and I you know I had some crazy stuff like to, I had dentistry law um commerce science all the high scoring subjects was just being really uh, really cheeky. And um, my aunt was a, a is a pharmacist as well. So for this, you get six choices, I think, back then. And so for my sixth choice, I just put down pharmacy for the fun of it. Uh, I didn't get into anything else. And I got into pharmacy. And, um, and that's how it started. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so, and then you said, Okay, now I'm a pharmacist. Now what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. What does that mean? So, and then I mean, how does that evolve into you actually, did you own a physical brick and mortar type pharmacy at one time? Absolutely. All yeah, the time. Okay. That's, that's All the where time. I cut my teeth and that's yep. sort of my expertise and how I've sort of moved on into retail. But um, in Australia, anyway, the typical thing to do usually, and which is what I did after university, you go overseas, travel a little bit, come back. I came back and I sort of decided, you know, it's time to do something with my life. So I hustled my way into a pharmacy partnership with a couple of older business partners. Um, they were looking for someone to come in and help them in their business. And so that's what I did. I was the junior partner at the time. Um, and then from there, you know, we sort of grew businesses, bought and sold businesses together. And then I think 10 years into our journey, uh, we all decided to go our separate ways. And um, yeah, we split up the partnership and um, I was left running one store, which is great. Um, and then, you know, and then we carried on from there. So now how does that beginning, like a fairly normal, you know, ish beginning, how does that translate into what you're doing today? 
Yeah. So I was really young when I got into that first business. I was 27 years old and I was young. I was super impatient and I was basically, truth be told, I just really wanted to make a lot of money really quickly because, you know, I wanted the cars and the watches. <laughs> 27 years old. Right? So um, <laughs> I was... I was trying to do things, implement things in that business because, you know, when you go to pharmacy school, you're, I'm essentially a scientist, right? You know, you, you're taught to deal with patients and clients and medicine, but not really anything to do with growing a business. It's a totally different skill set. Oh, yeah. So I sought the help of mentors and coaches. So I was, I was really good in um, asking for advice. I had no issues with that. And um, the first business coach I worked with was fantastic. His name is Casey. I'm still friends with him today. And basically, he kind of set me on the path on, on what I needed to do. And um, so I just did what he told me to do, really, which was just to just the basics, the fundamentals, but having a springboard, someone to talk to, to help you implement, you know, uh, adapt it to the business I was in at the time. Uh, I found that really, really useful. So long story short, I just did what he said. And then we were able to continually grow, buy, sell, implement systems and procedures, which I'm sure we'll get to. And it just kind of carried on from there. Wow. And now are you, when you help people, you're, you're basically coaching, doing the same thing that Casey did for you at this point, right? Absolutely. So I sold my pharmacy um, last year during the pandemic, and I was working with a business coach at, at the time, another business coach called Glenn. I've always made sure I've had coaches and mentors with me for everything, for mindset stuff, business stuff, uh, personal training, et cetera. So I'm really big on that. Yeah. So when I was, um, when I sold my store, sold my pharmacy before we moved, um, Glenn asked me, so Alvin, what are you going to do with yourself? And I was like, I have no idea. I might buy another business when I move. And I'm sure we'll get to the moving bit in a moment. But um, he was like, you know, you're really good at um, implementing and understanding and simplifying. You should do what I'm doing. You should be a business coach. And I was like, nah. You know, I, I don't want to do that. Um, and we had dinner with him just before we left uh, Australia. And, um, you know, it kind of stuck in my mind. And um, so that's what I'm doing now. Thanks to Glenn, you know, just really sharing my knowledge and what I've learned over the past 15 or 16 years. And I think you mentioned one of my skills is I'm essentially lazy. So I'm really good. I think my skill is simplifying things so that it gets done. So, um, yeah, and that's how I'm now working with uh, retailers. I don't necessarily work with pharmacists, but, you know, retail businesses, that it's quite a wide category, but um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a niche that I understand. The principles of running a pharmacy are the same as any other retail business. Um, and that's what I'm doing now is, uh, so is, is that, helping other retail business owners do the same. Awesome. And is it exclusively brick and mortar type retail businesses? Not necessarily. I've got a couple of e-commerce clients, um, not necessarily drop shipping clients because it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I work best when the business is a certain size and we have a team together. That's what my experience is and what my forte is. Mm -hmm. um, solo, solo businesses, solo retail businesses and solo online business are not, not my space. Um, I need slightly something a little bit bigger. And, and then all the magic that I know starts to work properly. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah. now well, let's say that I'm, so your ideal client, I guess, would have been running their business already for a while before they come to you. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have a team, correct? Yes, correct. So usually most of my clients have been running their business for at least a year. They've hit a certain turnover. They've got at least a team of two 
um, that we can work with together to take the business to the next level. Absolutely. And how do they know that they need to talk to you? What, what would cause them to seek you out? Yeah, sure thing. Great question. So my niche is within retail is I help uh, retailers um, improve their cash flow and profitability. So a lot of businesses come to me with the problem that they're constantly running out of cash in their business. And um, they all of a sudden, they find they don't have any money to pay their suppliers, or they look at their bank account and the money's gone. And it really doesn't make sense because you're running a business, they're apparently growing a business, the turnover is growing, but where's the money? So uh, it's a very common thing that happens. So that's usually when people reach out and find me, like I need help. And this this is what I help them with. But I mean, isn't that just addition and subtraction, right? I mean, you've got this much coming in, you've got this much going on. I mean, how can you help them keep something (laughs) as it goes through? (laughs) Totally. And you're right, it is as easy as that. But as a retailer, as many small business owners are aware, they get caught up in the day-to-day putting out fires and they forget this simple concept. And the thing that I find also is quite often we overcomplicate it. And what you what you've said in and out is exactly how I get my clients to think about it. It's as simple as that. But I guess it's just taking the time and having that realization of how simple it is and then making sure that you're doing it weekly is what I prefer my clients to do, especially in a retail business. So you mean doing it weekly, like as far as monitoring Correct. what's happening, the cash Absolutely. flow and things like that? Yeah, I believe we should be tracking our cash flow weekly. So that way we get a better understanding on what where the funds are going, where it's going and um, tracking it weekly. And so we have we are definitely on top of it and um, we're aware of it. And then after that, it's uh, really important that we start to forecast it. And um, so the weekly is important because, you know, you can start to make some really good decisions on what's going to happen the next week and the week after. And it just just makes your x-ray vision so much better when you're running a retail business and any business really tracking cash flow is across all businesses. Uh, It's one of the fundamentals. So So I've never done, well, actually that's not true. I I had a store at one time that was Uh not my forte as it turns out, but but I can see, like, I'm imagining a problem that I think would potentially happen to people is that, okay, you're growing your business, right? So you had X amount of inventory and then, you know, now you've got more customers. So you think, oh, now I have to buy twice as much. I have to buy. And is that sort of one of the problems that people are, you know, they're like, I bought this stuff. Now I have to pay for it right now. And I haven't actually sold it or I haven't actually got the money for it yet. Right. It's just timing. Absolutely. It's timing, it's cash flow management and inventory management. So that's one of the really big things. So when you are starting to track your cash flow and when you're forecasting your cash flow, you can start to make these exact same decisions. Like, should I be really be buying that much or should I be financing it in a different way? Or should I be waiting perhaps? Or even what we prefer to do is organize some sort of arrangement with the supplier to defer our payments. Yeah. Cause that's it. Right. It's not like you don't have the money. Your business is growing. Everything's yes. good, but you're like, Oh my God, I just don't have anything. There's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> nothing here. Where does it go? Yeah. So what do you see? I mean, I think we touched on a couple of things, but like some mistakes that pretty much everybody's making right, right through the, that you say, Oh yeah. Yeah. I knew you were going to be doing that. Well, <laughs> let's stop that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I think one of the major mistakes, obviously, is not tracking their cash flow and as a consequence, not forecasting their cash flow. So that's really like x-ray vision. 
The other thing that I see business owners and retailers really do is they don't have any meaningful set of key performance indicators or KPIs for their business, which are super, super important because having some really good metrics on what's going to drive your business forward in terms of profitability and cash flow and a meaningful way and a simple way of representing them, um, it can get really, really difficult to know what strategies you're implementing in your business and what's causing the results. So this happens all the time to business owners where quite often, and I was doing the same, running from one marketing strategy to the next, to the next, you know, every couple of weeks without really giving it one, any time for it to work or two, without even knowing how it was working apart from the metric of my revenue is up. Um, so, you know, in most businesses, every business really, revenue doesn't really mean much. It's the profit, how much you're going to take home at the end of the day, how much you're banking at the end of the day. So I think that's one of the most common, you know, the two of the most common mistakes that I see retail business owners making. Well, and I can see how that could be challenging, right? Because they don't really know, how do you help people to choose what KPIs are going to make the most sense in their business? Absolutely. So it's about having conversation and we need to understand. So, you know, my jam is retail. So there's a couple of metrics um, that we look at. And, and, you know, a, a couple of these metrics you can sort of roll out across other businesses. So we look at your margins. We want to make sure that you're selling your products and services at a decent margin. It surprises me that, um, you know, a lot of retailers sort of don't understand what their margins are. They don't know how to calculate it. And if they're selling products, they, they're selling them at really, really thin margins and wondering why they're not making any money. Yeah. But in the retail game, margins is really important. I also believe um, keeping an eye on your labor costs or wage costs, depending on where you are in the world. I think that's really, really important. Um, and one of, one of the other metrics which I really love to use is our average sale per client or average sale per customer, basket size, a, a variation of that. Um, because that's one of the easiest needles to move to increase your cash flow and profitability. But the first step, obviously, is to understand what that is, because a lot of retailers don't know what their average sale per client is. So, you know, I recommend with the KPIs, there were three just there. I don't recommend we have more than six KPIs that we're looking at in any business, really. And I prefer that we can fit all our data on a piece of paper and stick it up on the wall somewhere and fill it in by hand if we need to. Nothing too crazy complex, yeah. but something that's visual that we can see and something that our team can eventually start to fill out and, and plot and track for us. So let's go back to the first one that you mentioned is the actual, mm. your actual, you know, cost and yes. profit. Yeah. Is there, um, yeah, I'm thinking of like a specific problem that I'm thinking of. And I don't know if you're like, think of the same thing, but no like, you, you know, this thing costs, you know, 15 cents. So I'm going to sell it for 30. Great. Right. But what's wrong with that idea? Yeah, absolutely. So that doesn't sort of take into account the rest of your business, uh, picking an arbitrage, 100% markup, which is what you worked out there, may work sometimes, but it really doesn't take into account your rent will be very, very variable. Your wages cost or your um, labor costs will be very, very variable. And utilities and expenses and those other expenses, not so much. But, you know, we really need to work out based on how your business is structured and everything else that encompasses your business to ensure that we're selling everything at the right margin. And, you know, most businesses have an average, uh, like, like a benchmark that you want to aim for, ideally. Um, but obviously, if we're working together, we always want to, you know, beat that margin, beat that <laughs> average. But um, I think it's, 
it's a simplistic view just to say we can just double the price and it's going to be okay. Yeah. That's one issue, Christine. The other issue that we come across a lot is that clients are selling their products and services way too low. So they're quite often discounting when they don't need to. And they're discounting because the competitor down the road or the big box service retailer are um, discounting as well. So, you know, the perception that we need to keep up with the price of the people down the road really can erode our margins. And um, yeah, if you start going down that road, it's a slippery slope and you need to be really, really careful and this to be properly managed. Yeah. So once you get these KPIs all sort of on the little graph and stuff like that, I mean, how challenging, it seems like it would be a little bit um, complex to calculate, for example, like all of your fixed costs and how that's all going to, you know, turn into like how much I should charge for this one widget, you know? Yeah, sure thing. It's, it's going to be a little bit complicated in the beginning, but thankfully we only need to do the calculation once and then we can sort of roll it out as an average across the store. So, you know, we just need to take some time, work with uh, your accountant or a coach or a consultant or something like that to help you determine the right margins that are going to be for you. And if you've been trading for a while and your accountant's given you some profit and loss statements, you know, you can, you can work through those numbers and see what would happen, you know, what needs to happen, I beg your pardon, um, in order for you to make sufficient profit to actually pay yourself, which is hopefully <laughs> why you're in business. And I think that's, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think they don't need to get paid. Like, <laughs> right. Do you yeah. find that? <laughs> what do you I mean do. a paycheck? No, that's just going to kill my business if I start taking yeah. a paycheck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. There is, there is a lot of that thinking going on as well. And it's rather, rather unfortunate, but yeah. Well, speaking of that, how big of a part do you think mindset plays in this whole equation? Wow. Mindset is the biggest part. Um, I think it's often overlooked for whatever it's woo-woo nature or something like that. Or as business owners, quite often when we start or get into a business, uh, especially a retail business or a small to medium-sized business, we are usually what Michael Gerber calls the technician. So, you know, we really haven't studied much business. We're really good at doing what we do and we often forget the business component. But so one of the, mind, the mindset piece is super important because by understanding Part of that mindset piece is understanding your vision and what you want this business to provide for you. And that really dictates everything else. So one of the first things I do when I work with my clients is to take a step back and figure out, let's look at what do you want out of life? Uh, what's really important to you? What are your values? What excites you? And then how can we then use this business to fulfill your life's happiness, to actually make your life worth living and what you want out of life? You know, it's a, Difficult and different conversation to have because most business owners aren't used to having that kind of conversation. They're uh, under the assumption, well, you know, I've got a job. I'm going to be working here. I'm going to be on the floor. But really, if I can, um, you know, if I can show you what's possible by taking a step back and, and helping you understand what really is meaningful for you, it just makes everything else that we do down the line a lot easier. And you're more energized and motivated to do so. The other thing I, I'm wondering if you see this as well is like sort of a, I have to do it kind of a mindset, right? Like Absolutely. I, I, because my labor's free, first of all. Right. And yes. then also because if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Right. So how do you help people like get over that huge hurdle? 
it is a big hurdle. And, you know, that's part of the technician mindset that Michael Gerber talks about in the EMIF. Um, I think the first thing we need to do, and I always like to, to go back to, well, why are we in business for? What are we trying to achieve, right? Hopefully you've got, you know, some other things beyond the business that excite you, travel, you know, you want to contribute, you've got hobbies, you want to do this and that. So realistically, are you going to be able how to do those things? How are you going to achieve your dreams and, you know, your, your top values if you're going to be doing everything in your business 70, 80 hours a week? So that's one thing. Hopefully that gets the bells ringing a little bit. Um, but then from there, it's really just making, just making sure that we have a team behind us and we start to delegate a lot of our tasks and, you know, delegate the things that don't excite us, that drain us. So, you know, it's about working out during while you're at work what excites you what what really bums you out and that's where we start in terms of um, delegating and, and outsourcing and that's huge because right because i know a lot of um, entrepreneurs who let's say like you know okay they've got a a gift in a certain area or there's something that they love to do and then they're like all i do is accounting you know i just can't stand the books and i'm always doing the books and so and that's yeah. taking away everything right their exactly. their energy their excitement and they probably are horrible at doing the books <laughs> yeah and and that you know because they're spending their unnecessary energy doing the books it's also going to reflect on the other things that they love to do perhaps on the floor serving clients or doing some other things that they love doing in the business so and they would yeah. actually grow the business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And I think the same thing, you know, the books is one example, but I think marketing is another, right? Yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Do you see a lot of entrepreneurs who have a, like a real, you know, talent for marketing and growing their business, understanding how to grow their business? <laughs> Do I see a lot of that? Um, I, I see some. I think marketing is super difficult where what I see a lot of business owners making is trying a lot of different marketing initiatives. And really what I was saying earlier is just jumping around too much, you know, uh, not really giving uh, enough time for a particular strategy to work and that little bit of impatience. And I was the same as well. Um, but really just giving it time. Marketing does take time. You need to be diligent and it is really an expertise, right? There is a certain skill set yeah. that you need to have to be able to market properly. Um, and if you've got that, that's great. But uh, a lot of business owners, you know, we need yeah. to outsource it or, or get someone else to help us with it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's just go back to before, mm -hmm. like you were living, you were born in Australia. Is that where your, your primary... I was actually born in Fiji. All right. Wow. Mm. Yeah, we, <laughs> it is. It's so exotic. We moved to Australia when I was 10 years old. Um, and then, yeah, so I was there for about 30 years or so. And um, yeah. And then we left. Is that where you're going with this conversation? Yeah. Like what caused you, what, what prompted the move to Germany? Yeah, absolutely. So I used to live in Melbourne, which is at the time of the pandemic was one of the number one cities with the most major lockdowns throughout the world. So, you know, we, at one stage, we couldn't leave the house for more than an hour at a time. You know, I was very lucky because I was in essential service to having a pharmacy-based business. So I was still able to, um, you know, go to work and that kind of thing. <laughs> not, not climb the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so, you know, my wife and I had a discussion. They're like, you know, this is crazy. Uh, let's, let's get out of here. And so we did. And so I was very lucky in that 
um, and I'm sure we'll touch on this. I was able to sell my business really quickly. She was able to quit her job. And so we sold everything, rented out the house, put a few things into storage. And she's from Germany. So we came to Germany to hang out. Great. What part of Germany are you in? So we're in um, southern Germany, just near Stuttgart. Beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. It's a, you know, one of my biggest values when you go back to um, figuring out why you want to be in business and and that kind of thing. One of my biggest values is uh, adventure, travel, freedom. So, you know, and thankfully, while I had the pharmacy-based business, I was always traveling as well. But now this is like really next level. I'm able to travel, explore, and provide value at the same time to the marketplace. So this is really exciting for me as well. Well, and traveling from Germany compared to traveling from Australia, right? I mean, it's just so much easier. It's like an order of magnitude easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can take a train from where we are to Paris and be there in two hours. Um, Yeah, it's really awesome. And just a a short um, plane ride, you're in Finland. You know, it's crazy. We've, We've been so lucky. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. Excellent. What fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's it. talk about selling your business. Let's talk about, I mean, so it's the middle of the pandemic and you think, well, you know, I'm not enjoying myself anymore. I'm going to sell my business, but was it challenging? I mean, I would think people can't leave the house for more than an hour at a time. It's going to be a little challenging to sell your business. <laughs> wow. Funny. You should say that. So <laughs> I was always taught from the beginning that we need to set up our business for sale. And this is what I work with my clients on doing as well. So it's always about making sure that everything's in order. The business is always running uh, without you and you're always optimizing for profit because the sale of your business, the price that you get for your business, usually in most industries is based on your net profit that you achieve. Uh, and it's always a multiple of that. So I always had my business running as smooth as I could have it. And when we decided that it was, you know, we were going to do this thing, it was very easy for me to sell because I was in a healthcare industry. I was in the pandemic. Pharmacies were doing really, really well. Um, and I, I knew I would be able to sell it for a premium. And so I was able to have the discussion with my wife and then literally a week later, yep, let's do it. And um, yeah, it, you know, the whole process took a few months as it normally does when you, when you sell a business with due diligence by the interested party. But yeah, we were, I was very lucky. Or a calculated move, whatever you yeah, want to call it. I mean, it. I don't think it's luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so either, because I've done it a few times. So it's very easy when everything is or when everything is in order, when your finances are in order, when you can demonstrate to um, the buyer that the business runs without you. Uh, however, I must uh, must say, uh, during that time, because we were really busy, I had to go back in and work more in the business to help my team out because staffing was a really, really big issue, especially yeah. in healthcare. So, um, you know, we were able to demonstrate that this business w- runs very, very smoothly. There's so much growth potential, et cetera. So, and you had to sell it to another pharmacist though, yeah? Yes, yes. In yeah. Australia, only another pharmacist can buy your yeah. business, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it was relatively easy, relatively smooth. So, yeah, here I am. Excellent. Yeah. And now how's that transition been from like, I mean, I know you were traveling and stuff, but you, you really were, you know, somewhat tied to a brick and mortar business. And now you're just like, woo, anywhere in the world. How's that? How's that been for you? Yeah, I love it. You're right. Because during the pandemic, I had to be in, in the store two or three days a week. Um, and, you know, it, it was really good fun. But like if when one of my, like I mentioned, my value, one of my values is freedom and adventure. And if I feel tied down 
or I have to be somewhere and strain down. Uh, I'm, I'm not the best. So, but now like I'm, I'm free, I'm really free and it's super exciting. And the whole journey is exciting. Now I'm, I'm trying to learn German every day. You know, I'm exploring, meeting new people, plugging into the expat community, traveling. Um, and at the same time, being able to help other retailers around the world, which is even awesome as well, even much more awesome. So, you know, I'm getting all my needs met at the moment. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, I'm really oh, lucky. Yeah, that's, I know what you mean, though. When I had that retail store, I mean, I was like a caged animal. I paced yeah. the walls, pay, paced the floor, paced, 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 paced. Like if there was nobody in the store, I was just like, what am I doing here? I'm going to go now. Yeah. And, then I, and I thought, well, I want to go get some lunch. But if I go get some lunch, that'll be the one time that somebody walks in the door. I can't leave. Yes. You know, I just felt like it was horrible for me. <laughs> horrible. It was a bad experiment. <laughs> How long did you have that uh, business for? A little over a year because I had yeah. done it online before. And then I said, oh, you know, I want to buy this building. And I don't know. One thing led to another and I ended yeah. up buying, you know, buying yeah. a building. And then I just, I don't know. And then I just totally get out of the whole thing and stop doing any of it because I just couldn't stand it anymore. Well, that's great. And if you're happier, then that's so much, so much more worth it. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's figuring out what you like. Right. Exactly. And that's why I love when you said that at the beginning that, you know, you talk to the person and say, what is it about this business that you love? And for me, I was doing importing. I love the traveling. (laughs) No part of that involves sitting in the store trying to get rid of this stuff, you know? So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think it's a a really important thing that often gets missed, right? Is trying to figure out what you want, what you enjoy doing and how you, how that pans out with your business and, and how you structure yourself within your business. So you're, you know, you're performing at your happiest. Um, yeah. Often overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how can you help people get over that fear that, you know, I mean, they're calling you because they have no money, Yes, right? We have no cash. And now you want me to hire somebody to do these things I hate. How do you help them to, you know, make that leap and feel confident doing that? Absolutely. So I, whenever I personally feel overwhelmed or I don't know how to do something, I really try and simple it. Uh, simplify it down and it's just for me and this is what I work with my clients in doing is let's work out where we are let's work out where we want to go and what are the steps that we need to do in between and I think having a visual of knowing and breaking down each step chunking down as NLP people would call it and then really just putting some action steps to each one once we can once we've broken it down we know where we're going broken down into each little action that we need to do it immediately feels a lot more manageable and we can just really start to tackle one thing at a time. And that often settles down the anxiety. And especially if you have a coach or a mentor or someone that you're working with who can support you through that and tell you, like, you know, don't worry about all the rest for the moment. Let's just fo- focus on this. Let's get that win. And then let's move on to the next one and really chunk it down. So I think that's really important. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think you just feel like you're being buried right at that point. So it's like, I just can't keep ahead of this thing. The business is yep. eating me alive, right? Uh. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. And I think it's just that having that sounding board with someone to talk to, even, you know, like a, a mentor or anybody really to talk to and to simplify the process and really help you break down the steps makes it much more manageable. Yeah. So that's, I guess, you know, my next question was going to be like some advice for people who are thinking of doing this and like, let's just make like a one, two or one, two, three or something like, I know that's going to be one of them, but just like step one, like you, you're, you're in this situation, you're feeling like, God, what am I to get myself into? I'm just completely 
lost and buried and I hate my life and like what what like step one okay step one the first thing is to take a step back step one to negative one and really have a, a good conversation with yourself about what you really want not from your business but out of life I think that's really really important because that's going to drive us whatever our vision of what we want out of life will really propel us forward in when it comes to dealing with the adversities in our business because then we've really got a reason why we're going to push through this. So that's the first thing that we should do is really be clear on our vision. Uh, The second part is definitely start to just do some basic tracking of the numbers in our business, just to get a better feel and a better understanding of what's going on in our business. Um, And number three, I think is in, in my case, or working with clients is I think it's really important to understand what your average sale per client is or average sale per order and that kind of thing just working towards that simple metric of understanding what that is so because once you start to improve that that's one of the biggest quickest ways that you can start to increase your profits and your cash flow so you mean like getting one person to order more stuff no i mean understanding um oh yes yes sorry if that's for me yes absolutely it's basically what strategies that we can use to provide more value to our clients or customers uh, and, and sell them more. Yes. Yeah. Cause they're already there. They're already on your site, right? Exactly. They're like the lowest of low hanging fruit, you know, just That's find right. them one more thing. Oh, did you think about this? You know, exactly. Oh, a lot and of people, really- order that. it's like a website tweak or something that, or, or Absolutely. just like a, 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 at the, at the cash register, like a follow on sale, like, Oh, you're getting this. Do you, do you need these? Exactly. You know? Right. It's just that whole McDonald's, would you like fries with that? And that really small incremental percentage increase, you know, like a, a dollar or 50 cents, but it all really adds up over multiple transactions. And like you said, that is the lowest hanging fruit that's often missed out in, in retail world. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So Alvin, this has been awesome. I really love talking with you, but I, is there, are there things that we didn't even touch on that you wanted, that we, that you wanted to talk about? I think we covered everything. I think we're, we're, yeah, I think so. Um, Anything else you were, you were thinking like, oh, no, I think we're good. No, I think you're, yeah. I mean, you've got it down to a science, right? So it's very (laughs) clear and simple to just be like, okay, you know, you need to just like get out of your head, (laughs) find your why, and then, you know, like make the numbers work. And then, you know, like you say, get, take that long hanging fruit and get that person to just buy the the pack of gum at the, you know, at the checkout. And exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is fun. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. I had a great time. Thanks, Christine. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for being with us today. I wonder if you know somebody who's in the retail world, whether it be e-retail or retail, who could really love to have this information that Alvin has shared with us today. Um, Please share the podcast with them and enjoy it yourself and make sure you're here next week. And Alvin, how can people reach out to you? How can they get in touch with you if they need you? Because I think a lot of people need you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm everywhere along the socials. Um, just make sure you search for me, Facebook, LinkedIn, Alvin Nasi. Send me a message. Let me know you heard me on here and we can uh, continue the conversation. Excellent. And all, the, all Alvin's links are going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check that out and come and be with us next week. Have a great one. Thank you.